You're listening to Pastor Jesse Miller of City Lights Church. Have you ever, have you ever got like a large group of people together? Like, I don't know, maybe 10, 10, 12 people together. Maybe it's a Sunday, it's after church, and you want to go get some lunch together, and you try to figure out the restaurant. And nobody in that group is decisive at all. Nobody wants to offend anybody. And so you spend 45 minutes trying to figure out which restaurant. Do we go with pizza or Chinese? Where else can we go? Like, what are our options? And then you end up like nobody goes anywhere. Somebody leaves disgruntled. You all go your own places. Or even just you're at home with your spouse or, or friends or whatever. And you're like, well, we really don't have much time. We can't. We don't, we, can't, we don't have time to go to that restaurant, so let's figure out another restaurant, and then you spend another half hour trying to figure out a restaurant, and by then you could have went to the original restaurant anyway. Anybody, does that ring true with? So then you get to the restaurant. Say you decide, hey, we're all going to this place, and then you get to the restaurant, and you have that awkward moment where you're trying to figure out who sits where, like, <laughs> who do I want to sit beside for an hour? And then, but you don't want to say it like that. You want to, like, well, where, whose kids are here? Well, do you want to sit with your kids? Do you want, I don't want to sit with your kids. Do you want to sit with your, like you're trying to figure out seating, so you're all standing around, and you're trying to, and you, so it takes a while. Then you finally sit down, and then you're like, oh man, that waitress is over there. Man, have you you guys have had that waitress? She's the best waitress. We should have sat in her section. You ever have that too? Like where you're like, man, this waiter I've had before, and he is the worst waiter ever. And then you got to get to the menu, and it takes forever to figure out your menu. There's like all these decisions, right, before you actually get to the meal. And if somebody would be decisive and somebody would say, hey, I'm hungry, let's eat. If you had that in mind, guess what? You eat a lot quicker, right? You get there. You eat your food. It's, it's quick. You don't care about the waiter. You don't care about who's sitting where. I just, just feed me. Somebody feed me. Things are quick, and you actually get fed, and then you're not hungry anymore. When we look at Corinthians today, we will see in a very similar way the church of Corinth is just arguing over who is feeding them. They haven't ate anything. They've been busy arguing about who, where they're going, how they're being fed, who's feeding them, and they haven't consumed a bite yet, right? They've wasted a lot of time. Last week, before I get into the message, I want to remind you of what um, the last two weeks have looked like. We're going through the book of Corinthians, and, and Jared preached the passage at the end of chapter 2 where it talks about being, he talked about being left-handed authoritarian or right-handed, right? You guys remember that? Where we can either be physically, uh, humanly minded, where we can just want to put people in their place, lay down the law, make everything fit into our box and be judgmental, or we can be spiritually minded, where we have the mind of Christ and we do things the way that Christ compels us to do. It's that left-hand, right-hand salvation type of thing. And then last week, my dad was here, and he talked about, I told him, you can preach whatever you want to preach, anything you want to preach. And he preached this passage about John the Baptist and prepare the, repent and preparing the way of the Lord. And he was talking about how God's trying to prepare us after we honestly repent. It's turning away from the junk that we've been doing, saying no more of this. God prepares the way for his work for what he's trying to establish. And I think that is an absolutely great introduction to what we are looking at in this chapter, chapter 3. God is trying to tell our church something right now that we need to repent and prepare the way for what God is trying to do. So who's ready to re- prepare the way for what God wants to say to City Lights Church? I need, I, you got to be ready to eat. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. 
I, but I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you're not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollo watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Let's stop there. We're going to go through chapter 3 today, so I hope you're ready for a lot, but it's good. So what Paul says to the church is like, look, you guys, I can't even begin to give you good spiritual stuff yet because you're still arguing over who is your teacher, over who's the one feeding you, over what class of philosophy, what's, what philosopher you belong to, and you're taking pride in who your teacher is and all you're eating is milk because you're still arguing about how you're getting fed, right? You're merely human, he says. He's saying to them that you are not acting according to the spiritual mind that Christ has given you a new life to, to think with. You are acting with human logic, human wisdom. It's Jared talking about the left hand, right hand. It's you're still even, even though the, we, the apostles, are coming to you, we've given you the gospel, we can't give you anything more because you are not listening and, and acting with the spiritual mind. You're acting like a human in foolishness. You're trying to be logical about this. You're trying to be prideful about this. You, uh, you, can't, you can't get good food until you realize you need to eat something new. My kids, um, a lot of us have kids now in here. Babies are happening. Kids are happening. It's a phase of life that we're in. It's good. It's exciting. But when you have kids, do you ever try to feed like a one-year-old Brussels sprouts? Or maybe it's the opposite. Like my kids, they love vegetables. Faith, you will give her the best piece of steak in the world, right? It's there. And it's cut up in little bite-sized pieces for her. It's ready to go. It takes her 40 minutes to eat half of that. She just like spins it around on her plate. And then she's like, it's so gross, it's cold. I'm like, yeah, you let it go the whole time. You had three helpings of applesauce, but you haven't touched the steak yet. You guys know what I'm talking about. As kids, there are things that, like, when I was a kid, there were certain foods I hated, absolutely hated. But then when I became older, I realized I should probably try this because when I was 12, I didn't like it. Maybe now I will. And now there are foods that I absolutely love. I hated, hated asparagus as a kid. My mom, she'd get that can of sp- asparagus, open it up, microwave it. Disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Started dating Ashley. We go to her parents' house. They get some fresh store asparagus from the farm, you know, not in a can of juice. And then she wraps it in bacon, just one piece of bacon, puts it on the grill. I'm like, this is asparagus? This is the same stuff? I remember eating that, and it's like stringy as a kid, like, ugh, it's wet and gross. But this is asparagus. I love asparagus now. 
Don't give me that canned stuff. Give me fresh asparagus. Brussels sprouts. As a kid, hated them. I personally love them now. I love vegetables. I'm not a big fan of fruit, but I'll eat it because I know it's good for me, right? When you're an adult, you begin to consume the things that you know build you into a healthy person. Some of us consume things we know doesn't make us healthy. Um, but at the same time, like, our, our taste buds change, right? But when you're a child, you don't eat the things of an adult. You haven't learned that yet. You haven't understood the value of consuming what's in front of you. Adults have to develop taste. The truth is, spiritually, Paul's looking at this church and he's saying to them, you guys can't even eat big boy stuff yet because you're arguing like children. It's time to put on your big boy pants is what he's saying. God wants to feed you something new so that you can grow into an adult. Do you ever, um, you ever see somebody who definitely acts like way below their age, right? When, when my daughter, who's four or five, comes to me with Barbie dolls and like a little baby voice, it's cute sometimes. It's like, oh, she's playing babies. But when she's in school or when we're having a real conversation, she goes to baby voice, it's not cute anymore. It's like, all right, stop it. Talk to me like, talk to me like you're a person now. Not like the baby. It's not cute. There's a commercial that's on TV. And Sarah, put up that first picture. It's for State Farm. And this commercial weirds me out. It's, it's a bunch of basketball players, and they're called the Hoopers. It's a family called the Hoopers, right? Have you guys seen this commercial? This is the Hoopers. They're all basketball players except for that guy who's a State Farm agent, and somehow he's in the family. But every time I see the commercial, it creeps me out. Why? Because you got a grown man with the body of a baby. Right? Go to the next picture of him. I think we have it. That's uh, Damian Lillard right there. This is the Church of Corinth. This is the Church of Corinth. Grown people still acting like babies, thinking that they are enlightened. They're arguing philosophically with one another. No, my, Apollos was better, or, or Peter was better, or Paul was better. And let me tell you what Paul And Paul says, who are we? We're still we're one. We're one group here. God's given us. Go to the next picture. This is, um, this is Kevin Love. Kevin Love, the son. Look at those arms. Look at that face. There is something wrong with that picture. And I would say this, that in the body of Christ, a lot of people look like that. Damian Lillard or Kevin Love. Where we've got Jesus saves us. I am free in Christ. We've got that. We're born again. We're born of the Spirit. But we haven't lived by the Spirit. We're not growing. we got no muscles. We're not consuming new things of the Spirit. We're not getting the meat that Paul is trying to give to us. Does it make sense? So we're walking around like scrawny little kids with big heads, right? Little babies in our chair. But we're arguing over philosophy and ways of doing church and how leadership should be built. But yet we haven't consumed the very fundamentals of the fruit of the Spirit alone. We haven't put on the... The, the helmet of salvation or, or the armor of God, we haven't put any of these things on that make us into a real spiritual man or woman. But yet, well, Jesus loves me, but I, the rest of my life, I'm throwing food, arguing with everybody, and I look like a child. Just, can I, can I be real this morning? Verse 3 and 4, let me read this, or, or 4 and 5. I want, I want to clarify what's, what's happening here. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Paulus, are you not mere, merely being merely human. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you have believed as God has assigned to each of you. Paul is not saying here 
that we don't need to submit to God-given authority. Forget about leadership. But he is actually doing the opposite. He's saying, I have given you leaders. Listen to them. Receive what they're saying. Stop arguing about who it's teaching you. Just know that I'm giving you somebody. Listen to what they're telling you. He's not saying forsake leadership. And we'll see that next week when we look at chapter 4. He's saying just forget about the arguments and your preferences and your styles of communication and the way they do this and the way they say that. Forget about that. My dad joked last week about how we're very different in delivery style. He said I was boring, honestly. I'm still working through that. My, my pride, my ego, I'm trying to put that, put that, forsake that merely human way of thinking and I'm trying to walk in the Spirit and walk in forgiveness and... I'll call my dad someday. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. But like, what happens then is you go to a church and people are arguing over who's teaching. I don't really want to be there this day because that pastor's preaching. I don't really like that church because the way they do worship. I don't really like the way they, they run the kids program. I don't like the donuts that are in the cafe or, or you know, not, I have enough people greet me. And so what happens is we begin to have these silly divisions in the church and nobody's walking in just hungry for the word of God from whoever's giving the word of God make sense God says I'm putting people there receive what they're saying listen to it start chewing on it eat it let it develop you then he says this we are servants now servants can have a few different meanings to us today but what it meant to them was not slavery servants it wasn't like hey I, Paul, am like bound to you to do everything you want me to do. You're having a rough day? You know, let me, let me carry your groceries. Let me do. He, that's not what he's saying. He's not saying, I'm here for every little thing. He's saying, literally, this word servants is the example that I was giving at the beginning of, ser- of service as a waiter. I'm here to bring to you the food that God is trying to feed you. That's what he's saying. He said, we are servants of God. We are here to serve you, the church of Corinth, the food that God wants to feed you. It's up to you to eat it or not. That's what he's saying. Does that make sense? He also mixes some metaphors here. It's kind of funny because Paul's, Paul's a little bit all over the place in this passage. He says about milk to meat, right? I wanted the, uh, I've been, all you've had is milk. You haven't even had meat yet. And then he talks about this watering and planting. It's a seed to like a grown plant. Both of those illustrations, both of those examples tell us that it's time to grow up and receive the nourishment that God is trying to give. It's God who gives the increase, whether through Paul or through Apollos. It's God who brings you spiritual food, spiritual meat, whether through Paul or Apollos. And it's time for us to begin to consume not come into this place or come into our lives thinking that we've already grown or we're already spiritually awakened and we know everything. I have to do this personally. I'm not saying this just to you. This is a personal thing to me. There can never be a time where I think that I understand everything that the Father wants to reveal. I love, I told my kids, because we actually read through our, we have a children's um, storybook Bible over there. It's awesome. It's the story of Jesus throughout the the whole Bible. And I read it to them. We finished it. And I'm like, hey, we're going to do it again. And they're like, what? Why are we doing it again? We already read it. I said, because Daddy's read his Bible like a couple times the whole way through. There's still something new every time. I have not received in my mind all the revelation of God. And I'm going to tell you this, you haven't either. And so when we realize there's always more food to eat, we should always come hungry and ready to eat. Right? 
I'm getting a little ahead of myself here. Read, let's, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 3, verse 10. We're going to go on here in a little bit. According to the grace that God has given me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one of you take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on a foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day will disclose it because it, is to be re- it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Stop there. Actually, no, I want to read one more. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. We'll stop there. So Paul switches gears here. He's, he's talking to the church and saying, I'm building you up. I'm giving you food. I'm planning. We're planning you. God's the, ultimately the one doing it. And then he says, you're God's, you're God's harvest. You're God's building. And then he begins to list these different things of gold and precious stones. Those, that list that he gives to the mind of the person that he's writing to, they are thinking of a temple. They're not thinking of a nice house. They're thinking of a temple. And then when it goes to wood, hay, or straw, they're not thinking of a temple anymore. It's a barn. It's somewhere where cows are or where animals are. It's a dirty place. He is saying that God is going to build you like a building. And God will give you builders. And your job is to let things be built on the foundation of Christ. Christ can be the only foundation we build our lives on. And the things that we put onto our lives, the things that we build our lives into, we're either going to reflect the temple of God or we're not. And it's going to be tested one day. It's all going to be burn up. And the things that stand are either going to look like the temple or we're not going to look like the temple. And he says this, well, you burn up, you'll survive as though through fire. Basically, I want you to understand this. If we have the foundation of Christ, that's our salvation. He is not saying here, if you don't live a good temple-looking life, that you'll go to hell eternally. If we're on the foundation of Christ, if we're in grace, that foundation still stands, but it'll be as though we just barely escaped through fire. We have this option, you and I, that we can let our lives be built up by the things that God's speaking through apostolic voices, through pastoral voices, through brothers and sisters in Christ, through our own personal reading and spending time in the Word. We can either be built up to reflect a temple of God, or we can just barely escape through life and just get salvation. We have this option of just being a church that makes it into heaven, or we have this option of being a church that brings heaven to earth and manifests it here now. There is this false gospel that's been preached. It's true in half of it, but it's not full. Jesus came to save you and so you can have eternity in heaven. That's true, but it's not the fullness of it. He did not just come so that you can escape to heaven. He came so that you can bring heaven to earth. We can have life abundantly here and now, right? But so many of us, we go through this life thinking, I've already received salvation. I don't need to do anything else. And that's just half. That's half of it. It's not the full truth. I want to be letting God build me into his temple so that I can experience a full life here now. We have to trust that God's going to build us. 
this really comes to a place of just trust and hunger. Are you hungry for God to build you? Are you ready to go where God's trying to get his people to go? Do you trust him to build you? Do you trust that whether it's Paul or Apollos, myself, Jared, your spiritual fathers, your close Christian friends, the people who lead your home groups, do you trust that God's going to use them to build you up? And ultimately, everything that's not him will get torn away. And what is him is going to stand? Do you just trust him to do that? Are you ready for him to build you? Are you preparing yourself, like my dad was talking last week, are you preparing yourself for the way of the Lord? Are you ready to receive, or are we still arguing over silly things? Does that make sense? My dad's message last week was really about repentance and preparing the way, and he didn't know what I was preaching this morning. And we are, we are a church that really believes that when God speaks, he speaks to us through multiple voices and through multiple ways. Um, we believe that God is a God that speaks prophetically as well. And this past week, Bob sent me a, a message. Um, he said, hey, I felt like God has shared this with me. I don't know if it's for the church, if it's just for me, or what it's, but I believe it's for the church. And so I read through it, and I thought, after praying this morning and praying yesterday, I'm like, this is what God is saying to our church. This is exactly what God is doing. He is trying to prepare us for deeper things. Make sense? Is anybody satisfied with where you've been? You, is anybody hungry to go deeper? Well, the, I, I want Bob to share this. I asked him to read it. He printed it out for us. But I want you to receive this because I really believe that this is what God is telling us as, as the church in Scranton. It's confirmed to me. It, when he sent it to me, I'm like, this is a confirming word of what I'm preaching on this morning. So if we can, Bob, go, go ahead and read that to us. I hear the Lord saying, prepare, prepare, prepare. Prepare for the blessing because we are in the time of preparation. Much like parents preparing for a newborn child to be birthed, they prepare various items, materials, and set aside rooms. We must set aside rooms in our hearts for the blessing of God to land, that we would be ready to sustain every blessing because with every blessing the Lord will pour out, there will be responsibility. This isn't a time for God's people to be underprepared, but rather overprepared. Some of you will be stretched and popped in your faith. You will not break under pressure if you're ready now. We are in that time of prayer, beseeching the spiritual authority, which is Christ, and commanding the spiritual authorities in the heavens to line up, much like Nehemiah had to communicate with the king before he was released to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Some of you have questioned in your hearts what the Lord is doing in this season. I feel the Lord saying, lean not on your own understanding, but on your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Some of you in this coming season will be dumbfounded. You'll be struck dumb. You'll be struck mute. So you can't talk your way out of this blessing. It will be done unto you as it was done unto Zechariah. Your mouth will be closed, and it will feel as though you're not being used in this season. But just know the Lord is preparing you, and the Lord is doing some unusual events, some weird occurrences to bring about the preparation for the battle. Much like Gideon and his soldiers and all those who knelt down correctly, uh, note down correctly, to drink correctly, will fight the battle. You're going to need a new flexibility. You're going to need a new transparency and vulnerability to make it in this season. You're going to need to cling to your spiritual brothers and sisters in this season. And this is going to be a kingdom-building community event. I heard the Lord saying it's going to be a five-cent season. The Lord will begin to speak to you on all five senses spiritually. This is going to be a season to survive it correctly and thrive in it, and walk in victory, you're going to have to walk in maturity and intentionality. 
I hear the Lord saying, no more child's play. He wants to entrust us with a man-sized responsibility. This isn't just for leadership. This is for all the participants in the congregation of the saints. Every saint must be ready for this season to properly steward the blessings that are coming from the Lord. Every saint must have ready arms with the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith. Because with much blessing comes much defense of that blessing. He is going to teach us how to fight the battle on both sides. The battle to keep the blessing he's given and the battle to sustain it. What was will be. What was lost in other seasons will be restored in this one. To the degree of your faithfulness. Some of you he desires to entrust more. Some of you he desires to entrust less. Some of you are asking for more favor than you can handle. Some of you are not asking for enough. He is restoring what the locust has eaten, a hundredfold and fiftyfold. But in this season, you must be like Joseph. You must overcome the fundamental and temporal things of the flesh that have held you back. This is the season of the grinding wheel. The Father desires to polish you, and what he will allow in his wisdom that he could easily prevent in his power will mold, shape, and mark you in Christ-likeness. This word is a serious word, but it's a joyful word. It's one that you would take heart in, rejoice in, go back to, and that you would store up in, the, in, store up in your heart the Lord's word, like Mary did when she received the news that she was pregnant with Christ. Most of you are pregnant with the promise, but you haven't treasured it up in your heart so that your identity can take hold of it and manifest it for his kingdom. Amen. I don't, I don't know if you saw some of the things in there, but so many of those things were just exactly what I felt God saying in this message. It's time for us to realize that God is shaping us, forming us. There's a repentance that needs to, ha- be ha- that needs to happen. There's an empowerment that God's doing. There's a trusting that God's trying to put in our hearts. They're stretching and, and shaping us. Over these last few months, there have been things even in this church that have stretched and shaped some of our thoughts. Like, God, how do you do that? Or why would you do it this way? I believe that God is trying to do that in this season for us because there is a real harvest that's about to happen in our city. That should excite somebody. <laughs> God wants to bring the lost in, and he wants to use us. That's really good news. But we have to be ready. We have to be asking God. We have to be hungry for him. He's not going to use us if we're not desiring his presence, if we're not humble enough to realize we don't have it all figured out. That's hard for me. I, I think I've said this story before. I remember... I remember sitting in the office with Jared and Jimmy one day, and we were talking about something, and we disagreed theologically. And at the end of the argument, which we were still friends, it was all right, but at the end of this argument, when I left to go home, I was in tears, not because I was angry at them, but because I realized I don't have it all figured out. And I won't ever, until I see him face to face, I have to continually let him fill me with his spirit and teach me. I can't be a pastor who doesn't go to other pastors and other mentors in my life without a book in hand ready to take notes. We have to constantly be students of the word, students of his presence, listening, waiting, and then obeying him. Does that make sense? We have to. Let's go to... Verse, I love verse 12 and, and through 15. It says that we are either going to be his temple or we're going to be an ugly barn. We'll still be his people, but we get to be one of those two things, precious stone or wood, hay, and straw. I want to be precious stone. That's what I want. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. We're going to finish here. 
Um, verse 18. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, and they are futile. So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours, and you are Christ, and Christ is God's. Let me explain that. First, he starts off with this idea, don't deceive yourself into thinking you know everything, basically. Don't, don't fool yourself into thinking you've got it all figured out. You need to humble yourself and realize my mind's being renewed into the spiritual mind. I'm beginning to hear what he's, hear, he's saying. I'm, I'm beginning to see what he's doing. I'm beginning to learn the wisdom of God. That's the new mind of Christ. We get to do that. So don't fool yourself. And then he says this weird thing. He's like, he ends with this. All things are yours, whether Paul, which is him. So whether me or Peter, the disciple, or Apollos, we are yours. And the future, the past, everything's yours. The earth, everything's yours. And you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. He is saying that I, we, the body, everything God's doing, we are Christ's, we are yours, it's all part of, we, are, we, are, we don't need to fight over whose is whose. And my Paul's and my Peter's and my, it's, we're all one and we are God's. It all belongs to him and he has given it all to us. The truth is, through Christ, everything is mine. You are mine. <laughs> he is mine. All the fullness of the earth is mine. There's nothing that he hasn't done or given to me. Does that make sense? That might sound really weird to, the, to the, the wisdom of the world, but to the spiritual, we're able to understand. I don't need to fight with you. I don't need to battle things out. You can just simply receive what God is doing in your life through your brothers and your sisters. We can trust that his eternity is his. We can trust that the earth is his. And we know that we belong to him. And he has given himself to us. That's beautiful. It really is. You are Christ. And Christ is God's. Therefore, it's all God's. It's time for us to stop worrying about preferences or arguments or even hurts and opinions. They have to be put aside and we have to simply ask God to feed us. Feed us steak. Feed us real meat. Get off the milk. Stop sitting in the high chair. Build us into the temple. I don't want to look like a barn. And give us wisdom. At the end of that, that word that Bob felt, it said, this is a serious word, but it's a joyous word. And that's what I would say this message is, too, if we listen. If we have ears to really hear what's happening. This might sound like a hard word, but it should be joyous because it puts something in us for more. For more of an experience of what God has for us a more of a revelation of who he is in our lives. We can be transformed when we put our, our hearts re ready to receive, right? I wasn't, I wasn't planning on doing this, but I was at a conference a couple weeks ago, and, and the beginning of the session, they gave us all underneath of our seats, and this place was like thousands of people. Underneath of all of our seats was a rock, right? A little rock, and I didn't know it was there until they said, hey, there's a rock under your seat. I'm like, what? Oh, there's a rock. And so they said, hey, grab the rock with whatever hand you don't write with and hold on to that. And don't let go until we tell you. I'm like, 
Okay, this should be fun. So that's right at the end of worship. Then they do some announcements. We're, you know, we're all seating. Then the speaker gets up and he preaches for like a half hour. Well, after about five minutes, this rock was really, really annoying. Try it at home. Go ahead. Go home and put a rock in your hand for a while and try to hang on to it and not let it go. It's really annoying, uncomfortable. I'm trying to figure out different ways to hold rocks. I'm like, <laughs> like with one thumb trying to hold it so it doesn't fall. I'm like, this is stupid. That's honestly what I thought. And they said at the end, finally, they're like, okay, now look at your hand. What does it look like? And I'm like, it looks like a fist. They're like, what, is that, what does this position look like if you're holding onto a rock in your hand? What does it look like? I'm ready to punch you, right? I got two fists. I got something I'm hanging on to. And they said, now go ahead and drop them. And so you should have heard the sound of thousands of rocks being dropped in this place. And they said, now put out your hands like w- the way they are. Keep them there. What does it look like? Looks like I'm worshiping. Looks like I'm ready to receive something, right? And I would say this morning that we have to come into church like this. Not defensive, holding on to our theologies and our preferences and our opinions and, and our ways of doing things, but come and saying, God, I'm receiving what you want to teach me, what you want to feed me, what do you want to do with me? I give up being defensive. I give up being critical. I give up being what I currently am because I want to be what you want me to be. Does that make sense? People are a lot more likely to come up to a guy like this than a guy like this, right? God will do something in our church when we live like this. When we live with our hands out, ready to receive what he's doing, God will bring more people into this building and into our lives. And we will see people like this affecting the city. And you won't see people like this affecting the city. I want to ask you, is your heart prepared to be continuously built up, to be continually consuming the things of God and what he's trying to teach you Are you content to be an underdeveloped child in the kingdom of God? I want to encourage you every Sunday morning, be ready. When you walk in this door, be ready. Every home group you attend, be ready. Every men's breakfast, be ready. Every mother's play date, be ready. Every conversation you have with an elder of a church or a church leader or the people in the prayer groups, every time you come to a prayer night or you come to the Christ Together worship night, be ready. When you just hang out with other members of the body of Christ, be ready to receive something. Be ready to receive wisdom. Be ready to receive revelation because God is a God who loves to continually pour out His Spirit. He hasn't stopped. He's not done. I love that we see in Scripture that iron sharpens iron. Some of us don't believe that anymore. We think that we are the sharpest tool in the box. I'm not. I'm not. You're not either. Sorry. Uh, we talked about that. God used the fullest things. Not many of you are wise among us. It's good. It's good news. We're not the sharpest things. But God wants to use other people to sharpen us. God wants to use his apostles and his teachers and his leaders and the intercessors and the administrators and those who have the gift of healing and those who are prophetic. God wants to keep sharpening us with his body. We are all servants in this thing together. That makes sense? All right, let's stand. Let's worship. I want to encourage you, always be a student of God. Always be a student. Never stop learning. Right? Never, never think that you've learned it all.
Never think that you've experienced it all. It's time to go beyond philosophy and theology. It's time to become transformed minds and lives that live transformed by the Spirit. Make sense? There's a lot of theologians and philosophers in the body of Christ who are affecting nobody, including themselves. It's got to go beyond this to this to display. And that's what we're seeking right now. So we live like this. We live with our hands out and we ask God to speak to us. Let's worship him this morning.